Hello and welcome once again to That Adult Feel, the podcast where we talk about your 20s and that time in between your teens and when you're supposed to be an adult. You may not be quite there yet, but you're definitely on your way. This week, we will be talking about terrible jobs that we've all had and had to deal with. Uh, We'll talk about the worst jobs we ever had, the shortest time we've ever worked in a job, situations you can't deal with, and how managers need to treat us. We'll also talk once again about the difference between millennials and all of those generations that came between us, so stick around. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jez. I'm 26, I'm a librarian, and I'm the owner of HowToGrowTheFuckUp.com, a blog where we teach teens, 20-somethings, and everyone else how to grow the fuck up, how to find a job, find an apartment, and how to basically get your life in order. So this week, I am joined by Casey. She is my former roommate. We moved in together shortly after college. Uh, Why don't you tell us who you are, how old you are, and what you do when you're not doing this. Okay, I'm Casey. I'm 25 years old. And when I'm not doing this, I'm working at a murder mystery dinner theater and a chiropractor's office and doing a YouTube channel. (laughs) And what do you do on your YouTube channel? I do Let's Play videos and uh, parodies of what video games would be like in real life. I forgot you were younger than me for a moment. Uh, I think I'm a couple of months younger than you, but not years. Yes. I'm just like, oh, I'm 26. Everyone else is 26 now. <laughs> Permanently 26. Everyone. Okay, so this week we are talking about terrible jobs we've had. <laughs> this is things I could talk about for hours. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at the statistics. So baby boomers, the average number of jobs they held by age 48 which for some reason the Department of Labor seems to think is retirement age, even though that's definitely not true. So they held 11.7 jobs by the time they were 48. Oh, geez. And approximately five or six of those jobs were held before age 24. Ooh. Now, millennials, based on what has been recorded already, by that same age, by age 48, it's projected that millennials will have worked 15 to 20 jobs by the time they retire. I 100% believe that. <laughs> I do too. I think I'm already up there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had probably about 15 or 16 jobs. I mean, even within the last five years, mm-hmm. I've probably had six jobs. Yeah, I mean, I have three jobs right now. So. <laughs> yeah, up until this week, I had three jobs. That's so funny. I didn't realize it was only 11 for baby boomers. Well, it used to be, especially for the baby boomers, um, you would get into a career you liked. You'd get into it right away because, you know, entry level actually meant something at that point. (laughs) Right. And then you would just stay in that job for 20, 25 years. Like on the one hand, that sounds very nice and stable. But on the other hand, that sounds horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice because I'm like, okay, I'm at a job I love right now. This is a career I have picked out for myself. I'm not doing jobs anymore. Like, I would happily work in libraries for the next 25 years. 
But at the same time, it's like, if I had to choose my job or my career at 18, that would that would have not been possible. I don't think I even technically had a major at 18. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is it like most people change their major like six or seven times before they graduate? I don't know if it's that many times, but I generally tell people just based on personal experience from me and everyone else, you will change your major at least twice. And I did. <laughs> I didn't, but that's only because... I knew what I wanted, and my dad didn't want that, and so I doubled down on it. <laughs> I started out as a communications major with an English minor, and then I decided I will double major in English and communications. And then I'm like, oh, hey, I can't graduate on time. I'll just major as an English major and minor in communications. So I stuck with the same two things, but I switched them around a little. Yeah, I double majored in theater and English. And um, I actually ended up graduating in three years because of stuff that I did in high school. But if I hadn't done that, I would have probably not graduated on time even. So I just got lucky. That's the other thing is that now, um, I just read an article on this too, even though I've been saying this for the last five years, mm -hmm. um, your bachelor's degree is now the new high school diploma. Yeah, it's really true. You can do some jobs without a bachelor's degree, but it's going to be really hard. You're going to be working a job, not a career. Right, and people don't look at your bachelor's degree and go, oh, your bachelor's degree is in theater, so I want to hire you for a theater job. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you have a bachelor's degree. That's good enough for an entry-level position. Yeah, that's all they care about. You don't need to actually work in your field. Yeah, that would be uh, too much to ask for. Yeah, we'd have people going back to school all the time. God. Anytime they wanted to switch. But now your bachelor's degree is just, it's almost a given that you have it. Right. And if you don't, they're not, you're not going to get a job at all. Yeah. It's going to be really tough. So before, <sighs> you used to be able to have a high school degree and get into an entry level job and then work your way up the ladder and just be for, at that company for 20 years. That's just a completely foreign notion to me at this point. I talked about this in the last podcast. So I talked to. My good friend Mike Egan, we were talking about how millennials basically grew up in a completely different work environment, completely different financial situation. Like the, the whole world has changed. It's not just that we are different, it's that everything around us is different. My dad is like one of those baby boomers who's like, well, you just need to hit the bricks and like go to offices and ask if they're hiring. Mm -hmm. My boss is currently looking to hire somebody else at the chiropractic office, and we posted on Indeed, and she's like, if you didn't follow my instructions exactly, I'm not even going to look at your resume. Oh, yeah. So it's like walking into a business and being like, are you hiring is never going to land you a job nowadays. Yeah, it, you can do that at some places. Like, we have people come into the library, and they'll be like, oh, are you hiring right now? And be like, well, here's the list of jobs that we have posted. Mm -hmm. but you need to go through this process to do them. To get the job, right. Whereas, like, our parents will tell us, oh, just walk in with your resume and give it to the boss. Like, no, that's not going to work. Yeah, it's like those movies where you see that big help wanted sign in the window. Yeah. Yeah, that's not real. Well, part of it is that there's so many applicants out there that you have to have it funneled through, you know, any of these applications or sometimes they'll outsource it to a web company that you have to have it go through, and even the keyword searches thing. 
where a computer just looks at it and if you don't have the keywords it's looking for it automatically you know trashes your file right and well like I said my boss is looking for new people what we're looking for is like a uh, marketing director mm -hmm. and like the people we've got applying are like so varied we've got somebody who's a manager at Gap and like somebody who worked for like the Department of Health at the World Na at the United Nations that's crazy and they're just ha and they're looking for this entry-level job like yeah that'd be yeah, great that's, that's the problem is that you could be completely qualified for all these other things but because jobs are just so hard to find at this point, you're trying to get anything you can. So what is the worst job you've ever had then? Oh god, I had so many. <laughs> I mean, I definitely had a hard time when I was working at the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, so I used to work in a clinic within a hospital. It was a specialty clinic for respiratory and sleep for children. And I was the person at the front desk who would check them in, make sure the paperwork was fine, make sure all the insurance got filed correctly. And that I'm fine with. That's something I've always done. I've been a receptionist pretty much since I started work. But it was just I had this terrible, terrible manager who sat about three feet from me. So we basically shared an office right at the front. And anything I did was wrong even if it was exactly the way she told me how to do it, or if it was even exactly the way she does it. When she does it, it's perfect. But if I do it, it's wrong. And she would literally watch over my shoulder as I did things. That's so frustrating. First off, you're like stressed out because you're paranoid all day. Right. And then she's, she's just so rude to me all the time. And I never really felt like I fit in there. Yeah. And it was always this thing of, well, you need to be here first thing in the morning because I have children. And you need to be the one that stays late because I have children. That's and so not fair. Everything she said to me, even though it had absolutely nothing to do with her personal life or anything else, her excuse was, well, I have children. I have kids. Like, that means nothing. You right. still need to show up. You still need to do your job. Like, I understand that you have children and you want to be there to get them off the bus. That's fine with me. But when you're saying that I have no opinion whatsoever on anything in the world and everything you say is right automatically just because you have kids, I have a problem with that. Yeah, that's not okay. I had a manager like that. Actually, at the same time, when I was working at um, the um, insurance company, I was technically the front desk receptionist for this insurance company. And my main responsibilities were answering the phone, greeting people, all that jazz. Um, but it was technically two companies in the same building, and one of the CEOs treated me like a front desk receptionist, and the other one acted like I was his personal assistant. And so he wanted me to schedule his stuff, and he wanted me to take messages specifically for him, and then he was just a complete jerk. Like, he hated the smell of popcorn, so nobody could have popcorn in the office, and he had a personal assistant, but for some reason he seemed to think that needed to be my job too and was just constantly over my desk like, what are you doing? Are you doing it right? And th those kind of managers are just the worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyone that's going to watch me over my shoulder and constantly micromanage me, you're not going to get good results. I would much rather be told these are your job duties and then be able to just work on my own and be trusted to know what I'm doing. 
Well, yeah, and especially if you've been hired for the position, if you're qualified, if you've been trained properly, they should be able to just let you do your job. Yeah, for real. That's something I like about the job I have now. So like, here's your duties, here's the time that you're on desk when you're working the reference desk, here's what I expect from you, here's what you are doing that no one else is doing, and then just make sure it gets done and report to me at the end of the month. And that's wonderful. Yeah, that's how my current boss is too. She's like, you probably know how to do this better than I do, so I'm just going to leave you to it, which is awesome. But I've had so many micromanaging bosses in the past that are just like super frustrating. So managers out there that are listening, don't micromanage your employees. Trust them to do their jobs. Yes, trust them to do their jobs. Train them properly in the first place, and you will not need to watch over them. 100% true. So what is the first job you ever had, and how old were you? Um, I was 16, and I was a concessions girl at the local discount movie theater. And how'd that work out for you? Since it was a movie theater, it was kind of populated with a bunch of teenagers, and so there was a lot of drama that went on. I got moved up to box office really quickly, and generally speaking, that's not how it's done. Usually you have to be on concessions for like six months, and then you have to do floor for six months, and then maybe you get to go to box office. And so I had a lot of people who were irritated about that and kind of took it out on me. That's one thing I can't really abide is just workplace drama and yeah. the gossiping and the clicks. It's like, we did this already. That was high school. Let's mm -hmm. grow up and move on. Agreed. Yeah. Well, because we had, you know, there was a, a boyfriend and girlfriend couple that both worked there and they'd get into fights and it would affect the entire staff. And it was just like... I don't even know why you think it's a good idea to work with your significant other. That sounds like a terrible idea to me. I will never work with someone that I'm involved with, and I will never date anyone that I work with. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my number one rules. Don't don't get involved with coworkers, which is harder to do in, like, the murder mystery dinner theater than anywhere else because those people are actually going to have, like, common interests and stuff with you. I think that's true of anywhere you work once you're, like, within your field that you find people that really kind of get you and are interested in the same things and understand mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Right. Like I can go home and I can you know, start texting somebody or talk to somebody at the house and just be like, oh, this is what I was doing today. And they'll just stare at me. <laughs> like I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I recently finished um, weeding our collection of cookbooks. Mm -hmm. And I'll say weeding because that's just my everyday phrase now. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what is weeding? Like, are you, were you out in the garden or? <laughs> but then you also, you're able to talk about those things. Be like, you can get home and be like, oh, I had this terrible patron or I finally <laughs> finished weeding that collection. And if that person works in your field, you'd be like, oh, that's so awesome. Like they understand how big that is and how wonderful right. that is. Or they understand what you're going through when you had a really shitty day. Yeah. Well, it's nice because my, my current roommate, you know, is also... <laughs> been involved in acting and stuff, Karina. And she, uh, so I'll come home and start complaining about my director and how, you know, all directors are freaking crazy. And like, I can't believe he's asking this of us. Like we're actors, not, you know, waitresses or whatever a job he wants us to do that day. And she totally knows because she's been there. <laughs> yeah. There's an advantage to making friends within the workplace for sure. Oh yeah. Friends definitely just not significant others. Yeah. Or if someone's in your field, 
don't work with them in your actual office or wherever it is you work mm-hmm. just because otherwise you have no break from that person you're bringing in your personal problems to the workplace you're bringing your workplace problems home um, it it reminds me of an episode of parks and recreation <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's going to be a running theme for the podcast be like oh that reminds me of that of this scene on this show <laughs> i did that in the last one with community now it's parks and rec well, that's a millennial thing. Just make everything a pop culture reference. Yes, this reminds me of the episode in Parks and Rec where Ben and Leslie are working together. So Ben puts up the firewall that you can't talk about work problems at home. You can't talk about Well, I think they did talk about their regular lives at work. They didn't have an issue there. It was, we can't take our work stuff home. Like, let's just get home and relax. And it was like driving Leslie insane. She couldn't deal with it. Because she's a workaholic. I kind of understand that. Like, There's a certain point where I want to go home and talk about my work stuff because that's where I spend my time. Right. But at the same time, it's like sometimes I just want to distance myself. Just take a break for a second. Yeah. Uh, we have a sign on our staff entrance at work that says, leave your funk at the door. That's become our philosophies. You could have all kinds of issues going on at home, but you are not allowed to bring them into work with you. That's a good policy. But that only works so far. You will always have jobs where your drama follows you everywhere. Yeah, that's very true. I've had, I had it happen yesterday. I won't go into this, but we had minor drama that required me to fix something from home, which was very easy to do. So it's my day off. My coworkers are messaging me on Facebook saying, you need to do this. This is what's going down. Like, you need to be aware of this. I'm like... It's my day off. I really didn't want to deal with drama. Please leave me alone. Another terrible job I had. I will actually mention the company for this one. Uh, I worked for Jenny Craig for about five years. <laughs> um, I was a customer service coordinator, which meant I worked front and desk. I greeted people when they came in. I made their appointments. Um, the people would buy the food there after they met with their counselor. So they would pick out their food, and then it was my job to go into the stock room find everything that they specially ordered, and then pack it all up in their bag and take their money. And then it was just working with the counselors, getting everything organized. I was basically a receptionist, a bagger, a cashier, all in one. And the first day I showed up for training, the person that hired me, um, the director, was not there. She was mysteriously gone. And no one working knew whether she was taking time off, if she had gotten fired, if she was being investigated. It was, I just walked into drama on my first day. And she did end up, she wasn't fired, but it was like strongly suggested that she step down. I think she quit in order to be, to save herself from being investigated. Right away, I had to basically train myself. Mm-hmm. And my friend who had helped me get the job, she helped train me as well. But I was just thrown into the deep end right away. And then the person that took over was insane. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, my friend Jessica, she's probably listening to this some point in the future and going, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> she's just sitting there laughing. This woman was insane. She, she had no boundaries for personal and professional life. She had no professional attitude to begin with really she would come in she was kind of like a party girl 
and I don't understand how she got put in charge of this entire facility. I and my coworker ended up doing most of her work for her, even though she was the director. The problem was that she would bring all these personal issues in. She would have her boyfriend in her office some days, or her best friend would visit, or they would all go to the bar next door, which was really a problem. If you're the director and you're working right next door, people know who you are. You are, you know, the face of your business. You can't go get shit-faced at the bar next door. Yeah, not great. Yeah, so if you're, if you're a manager or even just a regular employee, find a different bar. Don't just go next door. Go a little bit farther. Uh, but the problem was she had everyone's personal phone numbers. And she oh would just text God. us all the time. She'd be texting me about drama on my days off. The problem that I really had with this job is that my hours got cut constantly. And I would find out like five minutes before I'd be leaving. Oh my God. I'd just get a text saying, oh, by the way, don't come in tonight. Or why don't you come in an hour late? Or why don't you leave a little bit early? And basically I quit because there was no point in me showing up. It's actually another great part. So one of our coworkers quit who was at the same level as me. She had the same position, but different hours. And when she quit, they gave her job to someone who was completely unqualified because my manager knew her. So this woman came in, she didn't even have a high school diploma. I'm pretty sure legally we could not have hired her, but we did. And they gave her a lot more hours and higher pay. That's awful. And she'd constantly be like messing things up. So as soon as I came in, I'd have to spend an hour fixing all of her mistakes and then start on my own work. And I held that job all through college and a little bit afterwards. And then I had a different terrible job. <laughs> Just bouncing from terrible job to terrible job. I mean, that's kind of what it is these days. It does feel like that a lot. Um, the average length for millennials to stay at a job is less than three years. I believe it. Which honestly, three years sounds pretty long to me. I've been at my current job just a little over two years, it's the longest I've been at any job ever. Before that, it was nine months. <laughs> That's pretty short. <laughs> yeah, and that was a terrible job. And I've always pretty much worked in two jobs at once. Mm -hmm. So even though I'd be switching them out, some of them I could stay at for a long time. Uh, I've been here a little bit over two years. I worked at Jenny Craig for five. And I think I worked at the comic book store for maybe two years but that's just yeah. how it is like that's how it is nowadays I look at this number of 15 to 20 jobs for your lifetime like no it's going to end up being higher than that yeah because it's you end up in a terrible job with either a terrible manager or terrible co-workers or you have a situation where you're not getting paid enough right and so you have to work two or three jobs and then your schedule starts clashing and so you have to quit one of them it's just the system is gamed so that you can't maintain a job for a long time anymore because oh, yeah. it's better for them to have new people come in and they can pay them at a lower rate it's so messed up because they're only thinking about the short term they're like oh yeah mm -hmm. we can hire someone pay them the intro rate pay the minimum wage even mm -hmm. and we'll save money that way because people won't be getting raises every year but that turnover really negatively affects them and their bottom line yeah, because you have to spend more time and money training people every year. Yes. Than you would have ever with just raises. Yeah, you know, give me a 1% raise and you're going to save yourself tons of time. You're not going to be spending your time yeah. 
trying to train somebody, if you have someone that knows what they're doing, just leave them alone. Give them the extra 50 cents an hour. Right. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. My, um, my current job, I work at a chiropractor's office and it's a very small office. Um, we just recently had someone uh, quit, but before that there were four of us there. And so my boss doesn't have the luxury of assigning a bunch of job duties out between a bunch of different employees in like a hospital or something. What I do would be split up probably between eight or nine people. But since I'm in a small office like that, it's actually kind of an advantage to me because I'm a lot more indispensable than I would be in a bigger office. And I actually really like my current, uh, my current, I call it my survival job because I can't currently pay my bills on my acting jobs. But um, I really like it. And I really like my boss. And I told her, if I do ever leave, I will give you at least a month's notice and I will help you train my replacement because I know that there are so many things I do that she doesn't even know about. And that's really the only way you can maintain a job long term in this economy is by just being indispensable. Oh, yeah. Every time anything comes up, my coworker will just tell me, that's job security. That's job <laughs> security. She says to me about three times a day. <laughs> well, that just means you're really, really securing your job if she says that all the time. I mean, I hope so. But it's just this idea of you need to be keeping track of things. You need to be proving how indispensable you are in order to secure your job. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas it used to be, especially here in libraries and even in my department, like most people have been here 15 years or longer. Wow. Which is not the norm even for our library. It's mm -hmm. only our department because my boss is so amazing. <laughs> Well, that's nice. It's good to have an amazing boss. It really is. This is the first time I've ever had like a good boss. That's how I feel about my boss, too. She's fantastic. She really cares about her employees outside of the context of her bottom line. And you can tell. It makes a difference. Oh, yeah. It really does. Like uh, When I first interviewed here, I was waiting to hear back from grad school whether or not I would get in. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're definitely going to get in. When I finished the main interview, she's like, do you want a tour of the library? Like, can I show you where things are and how we do things here? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, that was the very first introduction I got to how she is as a manager. And everything after that, it was, we're going to teach you how to do this, even though it's not really your job. I want you to know how to do this because soon you're going to be looking for jobs in this field. I want you to understand how things work. So she would constantly be giving me opportunities that I would have never gotten anywhere else. I see her doing this with other people now too. It's weird because I've been here. It's only been two years. It feels very short. I see her doing it to other people like, oh, uh, one of my coworkers has her degree, but she doesn't have experience in these areas, so she hasn't been able to get a job anywhere. And so my boss is like, well, this is not her job. This is a librarian position, but I'm going to let her order in this one tiny category. I'll put her in charge of a little bit of money. I'll show her how to do this. We'll get her experience so she can take that somewhere else, which is not something a lot of managers do. Their whole philosophy is, I'm going to train you for this job only. If you go anywhere else, that's your problem. Well, that's because a lot of managers are focusing on their being indispensable too because they have somebody above them. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, if I teach this underling more than they need to know, then they could take away something that makes me important to the company. It's kind of a vicious cycle. It is. And that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I know that's how people think. 
-hmm. But it's if I'm doing a good job, I'm making my manager look good. Right. So why would they not want me to do a better job? Why wouldn't they train me to do more and try more things? Because it's going to reflect positively on them. The whole job market in this country is just... It's all based on people who are only looking out for themselves and not thinking about the big picture. Because if we were looking more at the big picture, we'd be helping our coworkers. We'd have managers who were offering more opportunities to their employees. We'd have employees who were willing to stay somewhere more than two years. Because a lot of times, I mean, yeah, a lot of times you get laid off or you get fired. But a lot of times you just leave because you can't deal with it anymore. Oh, yeah, you can't deal with it or you've only just barely been scraping by, job hunting is the worst, first yeah. of all. So to drive someone to the point to want to put themselves through that when they don't absolutely have to, that's yeah. crazy. So if someone is only just barely getting by, they're going to start job hunting and take something that pays maybe 25 cents more an hour. Yeah. Or offers them the ability to sleep in one hour later very, very small transitions. It goes back to what I was saying about having a good manager because people want to be around people who care about them. My boss has a very small clinic and can only afford to pay me a certain amount. I know I could get more at a bigger office, but because she treats me well and gives me lots of opportunities that outweighs at this current time the need for more money. And I mean, sometimes that's not the case, but whenever you are getting by, having a manager who treats you well can make all the difference. I've worked enough jobs, you know, just for the paycheck to know that it's no longer worth that if you're um, putting your own like mental health at risk. And it's even worse whenever you have a job that is not really a good paycheck and is putting your mental health at risk. <laughs> that's like the worst of the worst. I've had so many terrible jobs, but probably my worst job was, and again, I'm totally comfortable saying the company's name on this one, <laughs> was family video. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I went in to apply for their job when they were having one of their management fairs, and they were like, we're looking for college grads to um, come in and be starting managers, get trained as a manager in training, and then after about a year, you'll be managing your own store. And it's a salaried job and it pays pretty well, has good benefits. And that's how they get you in the door for the interview. Mm -hmm. And then you find out, number one, if you're female, you're not even going to get to try for the manager and training job. Number two, if you're not pretty, you're not getting a job at all. They pretty much populated the sales clerk desk with fairly good looking women. And then there were a bunch of men who got to be managers and managers in training. So I went in thinking I was going to be applying for a training job to be a manager and ended up being just a store clerk ringing up people's videos. And during my time there, I was sexually harassed by customers. I was never given breaks for lunch or even just like a short 15-minute break. Um, I was made to clock out when I had to take deposits in. I was asked to go to the store on my own time and pick up stuff. I would have to clock out if I hit 39 hours because they were I was technically part-time. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, now they're actually getting in legal trouble for all this. It serves them right. It does. I mean, 
the Midwest has got quite a few family videos still around. Um, I think they started in Northern Illinois. We've surprisingly few now. It used to be a lot more. Well, a lot of them have gone out of business because they can't maintain employees. Like they do fine with business, like getting people in the door and treating their customers well. But whenever you have an employee who works a 13-hour shift without even a break for lunch. Which is illegal, by the way. Yeah, that, I mean, again, they're getting sued. And then to top it off, I ended up getting fired from that job because I asked for a transfer to a store in St. Louis when we moved. But it was just like that job didn't make any money, didn't get treated like a person, and yet they were shocked that they had a high turnover rate. That reminds me of another terrible job I had. <laughs> oh, yeah? Which, at this point, I've had so many jobs that sometimes I just forget about jobs I've had. And I'm pretty sure I worked there quite a while. Um, I think I worked there maybe almost two years because I was working there at the same time as other jobs. They overlapped a little bit. Okay, so I worked for uh, family Christian stores and I worked for probably the least Christian manager possible. She was terrible and it was the same situation. You're scheduled for these long shifts, you don't get breaks, and then you're expected to clock out so that they can show that, oh yeah, we comply with legal restrictions for breaks. Yeah, they definitely took a 15 minute break. Or when you send them to the, the bank, you have to ch clock out then, even though you're on the clock technically, because you're working for them. Mm -hmm. And it was this idea of, okay, we're so busy, you can't leave the front desk. So just keep like a drink in this closet right behind you, or just keep a snack there and basically stuff your face in 30 seconds between people but don't let anybody see it's there. Oh yeah, God forbid anybody know that you have to eat. Yes, yeah, so you're not allowed to leave for any reason, but we're gonna make you clock out anyway. And then it was another situation where I just kept getting less and less hours. We had one part-time position available and someone came in. They must have given a fantastic interview because I have no idea how else they could have gotten this job. They basically, my manager, really wanted this person and promised them full-time hours that we did not have. So we had probably 20 hours to give them, if that, and they promised them full-time with benefits. And those hours came out of my hours. weekly hours as well as mm -hmm. one of my coworkers. We basically, we would get um, scheduled for maybe one shift a week. Oh my we would God. come in for like four hours when we used to be working you know, 16 or 20. And then at some point, it just started being, I wasn't on the schedule at all. There would be like two, maybe three weeks where I was scheduled for absolutely nothing before mm -hmm. I went in and just quit. Which I feel like I maybe just got pushed out and like, we'll just never schedule her and wait until she quits so we don't have to, you know, pay her any unemployment or give her any severance, anything like that when it could have been avoided by just hiring someone for the job you advertised. So I don't normally shop there. We don't have one very close to us either. But I went in not too long ago because I needed to find uh, one of those angels that you clip to your visor in your car. I don't know where else to get these. So I'll go to the family Christian store. They're under completely different management. And it was like walking into a foreign world. It's like, I used to work here. I used to know everything that was going on. And everyone here seems actually happy and the work is getting done. 
I'm overhearing the employees having like a casual conversation and they're they legitimately like their job and I wanted to like go up and be like so what happened to that manager <laughs> but it's been so long that I doubt anyone there even knows who I'm talking about well that's the thing with my family video job like I got contacted by an attorney that was like do you want to get involved in this case that they're making against them and like whenever they went to ask who my manager was he's not even with the company anymore people just disappear yeah those kinds of jobs if the company is terrible no one's going to stick around and then it's really hard to get someone to be a reference or confirm that you work there unless your company has an HR department which a lot of companies honestly don't no unless you're working for a larger place that maybe has uh, multiple sites you're not really gonna have an HR department so you just have to assume that your boss is keeping good records now that someone else is going to be able to access I had a job ended up being outsourced to a new location and the managers all were phased out for these managers at this other location where they were moving us and so when I put that job on a resume now, I have to explain, well, you're probably not going to get a hold of anybody who even knows that I existed because <laughs> the position technically doesn't exist anymore. Everything is just so, like, temporary now. Oh, yeah. And that's just the world that we live in now is that, you know, we're projected to have these 20 jobs because we do only stay there for three years because you just move up to whatever's next best you never it takes a long time to settle into a job that you actually like and you will find right. and it's not just you it's everybody around you somewhat off topic but i read this article the other day that was talking about how so many big businesses and corporations are behaving as if they work in a different era than they're actually in like even to the extent to where the calibrations in a large office for the air conditioning are based off of the stats of an office in the 1960s which was mostly populated by men and that's why you get women who are so cold in the office because I read that same article did you read that <laughs> well it's I'm I'm one of those people that's always freezing at work like today yeah me too outside it's 84 degrees mm -hmm. I'm sitting here I have um, sleeves that go just past my elbow and I had a sweater on over that and I was still cold. Like I'm at the point where I'm considering just keeping a really heavy like sweater or wrap or even blanket at my desk because it's so damn cold. Yeah, I I have a space heater under my desk and it's on like it'll be 90 degrees outside and I'll still have the space heater on under my desk. Yeah, we have one in our office. It just unfortunately does not reach my desk. Should probably get my own at this point. But it's the same thing. It's um, I came out to cover the break for somebody and my coworker was like, oh my God, it's so damn hot. I'm like, you need to shut your mouth right now. <laughs> you have no idea how cold I am. Well, but you're tiny too, so. Yeah, I'm tiny. My, our back office is considerably colder than it is out on the floor, but still it's set for a specific temperature that was for a predominantly male community and men generally run warmer. <laughs> I mean, that's just an example of how the entire employment game still works. It's just a bunch of people, like, sticking their heads in the sand and refusing to acknowledge that it's now 2015 because they want to run their business like it's still 1985. 
and so many people from older generations are in charge now and or they've been in the same position for 20 years and they're treating everyone else as if it should be the same way that they've always known it to be which is why we get our parents telling us oh just take your resume in and just go interview on the spot that's not an, a thing that's not plausible in this day and age no and you can't just stop into your boss's office and be like oh hey uh, my wife's gonna have a baby so I need more hours or I need higher pay yeah which used to be a thing you used to be able to get raises for personal right, issues could, like, like that I've had my mother tell me why don't you just ask for a raise and I'm like I don't think that's a thing that people do very much anymore like, I mean, there are, of course, exceptions to every rule. Um, I recently got a new job duty that's involved with, like, HIPAA and meaningful use, and it's, like, a huge amount of extra work that I wasn't already doing. And I said to my boss, I said, you know, I it would be nice to get a little bit of extra reimbursement for this. But for the most part, you don't just go to your boss and be like, hey, I've been here for two years, so you should probably give me a raise. Like, that doesn't that kind of entitlement cannot exist in millennials because rather than giving you a raise, people will just get rid of you. I mean, best case scenario, you get the raise. Mostly, you're just going to stay exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. But then your boss is going to have in mind that you're needy. Gonna, yeah, you're needy. You're greedy. Like, okay, well, maybe this isn't someone I want to keep around much longer. Right. Well, yeah, and you get you get to this point where you're like everything is so tenuous and like not certain that you just convince yourself to just accept the status quo for what it is rather than risking anything and that's just kind of the way i think a lot of people in our in our age bracket in our generation approach the workplace it's like well i'm just i should just assume that i'm going to work 40 hours a week in a job that i don't really care for you can't even assume that actually well yeah that's true you're going to assume I'm probably working two jobs that maybe together will give me full time. I'm gonna well, but either way, you're gonna assume whatever I'm doing with myself in order to make the money that I need to live is yeah. not gonna be something I'm gonna enjoy. Right. Like that's just the that's just the standard assumption at this point. Like there's no, oh well, I should do something I like, and why should I stay here if I don't like it? That's because that's not an option. Mm -hmm. Like when you're job hunting. You don't have the luxury of waiting for something that you're going to love because really, if you're job hunting, you probably need something immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to take the first thing that is offered to me. Well, and that's, it's, it's so frustrating because like, even in a job environment with a great boss like mine, my boss keeps saying with the new position that's open, well, I want somebody who wants to be here because they believe in what we're doing and they really enjoy what we're doing, not because they just need a paycheck. And I was like, people don't look for jobs like that anymore. No, they'll tell you that in an interview because we're not dumb. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you whatever you want to hear in an interview. But I'll take whatever job you offer me, whether or not I care about the job, because I need money to live. Which is one of the reasons why we no longer put objectives on top of our resume. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That makes sense, though. Yeah, it's like... You don't put it there because it's a waste of space because we know your objective is to get a job because you need one. Yeah, no, there's no way I would have got, gotten my job at The Economist if I had put on my objective, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, 
I just dream of like getting up early in the morning to answer phones for entitled rich white conservative people. Mm -hmm. That is my dream. (laughs) This is going to be another, it reminds me in Lilo and Stitch. (laughs) Always. Everything reminds you of Lilo and Stitch. This is very true, actually. But when Nani really, really needs a job, and mm-hmm. she's, there's that whole series. It, it's partially on Stitch and Lilo bonding, but it's just her going to every single job in town. She's like, conciergerie is my passion. And yeah. you just, you look at it and you're like, she doesn't even know the word for this. Obviously, she doesn't care, but you completely recognize that moment. Which I don't think children recognize, but watching it as an adult, because I watch this movie quite frequently. <laughs> like, yes, that is absolutely true. That is how job hunting works. It, it is. And, like, I think part of what's so soul-sucking about the job market today is not even necessarily that you don't like the job you're in. It's that employers require you to pretend you do. Yeah, which employers know when you're being sincere. But they still expect us to go through this whole song and dance anyway. I understand the desire to have an employee who is enthusiastic about their position. Like, for example, I actually am much more interested in chiropractic now that I have been doing it. But when I started, I didn't care. But I had to pretend I did because that's what my boss wanted was somebody who cared and was passionate about it. You know, I'm already here. I'm already putting in my best for you. Why do I also have to put on a fake smile that I don't really believe in? It really is. I noticed that most when I was working at Jenny Craig is because I was the face that everyone saw. I was the first person people came in, especially new clients who had never tried it before. And they're just like, oh, does this really work? Do you believe in this? Or a lot of times they would look at me and I was much smaller when I worked there too. I probably weighed like 100 pounds. And they'll look at me like, oh, did you do the program? Did you go through this? Did you lose all this weight? I'm like, well, I haven't, but I've seen so many people do it. And I definitely believe in this. And, you know, if you eat all this food, and if you stick to the program, you will absolutely lose this much weight. When the reality was that, yes, I did see people losing weight because they were really dedicated. They stuck to the program and they were working out at the same time. Whereas most people came in, they would lose a lot right off the bat because they changed their life and then all of a sudden they would just plateau and they would stay there for weeks because they weren't doing anything and like it's really frustrating to me to you know see how it's not working but I need to pretend that I absolutely believe in this mission that I understand what you're going through and that I'm you know I'm really happy you're here when mostly like yes I do really care about the people that came in but I know exactly where all of you are in your weight loss plans. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for being professional and, you know, friendly, especially in, like, reception jobs where you're at the front and you're talking to people every day. But to insist on some kind of insane Barbie doll smile level of enthusiasm from employees who are really only there just so they can make rent money Mm -hmm. is unfair and it's unrealistic. And these jobs where you need to constantly be happy and you have to constantly pretend to be something else, those are the jobs that you're going to burn out on faster. That if your employees are constantly under that pressure, you're going to have a lot higher turnover rate. You're going to have really disgruntled employees. You're going to have people that take more sick days. 
partially because they just don't want to show up some days and partially because they really are getting sick more often because they have a higher level of stress. Yeah, I am. Um, when I was in college, I was in a improv drama troupe that traveled around and performed at youth events and things. And I remember one time we had gone actually to Switzerland and we were in the Alps and we were hiking and I got really bad altitude sickness. And my boss, my director was like, why are you slowing down? You need to come with everybody else. You look like you're not having a good time. I was like, I'm not having a good time. I have a headache and I can barely breathe. And she's like, well, there are a bunch of students watching you, so you need to like pull yourself together. It really stuck with me how it was like, for her, it was more important that I put on a happy face to present her in a good light than take care of my actual physical health. Like, I understand to a certain point that you are there to set an example. For sure. Um, but at the same time, you have to take care of yourself. You have to actually be genuine. About right. It. I mean, we have to recognize that people are humans and they have human limitations and you can only treat somebody like less than a human for a certain amount of time before they just lose it. I think that's really what it comes down to is that at this point, a lot of companies don't recognize their employees are human. It's just another cog in the wheel. Right. And that's what a lot of us feel like when we have these terrible jobs. As a manager, you have to you know, expect that, yes, not everyone's going to be happy 100% of the time. And people do get sick sometimes, and we can't penalize them for that. We can't expect someone to have a very small limit of sick days they can take and that they have to bring in a doctor's note for every single one. Sometimes you just feel terrible, and you're not going to go to the doctor, and that's fine. Not to even mention mental health days. Oh yeah, mental health days are so important. If there are any managers listening out there, you need to give your employees mental health days if you want to keep them on. You can't just go into a doctor and be like, I'm sad today and I just need to lay in bed and watch Netflix <laughs> and just decompress. Yeah. They're not going to write you a note for that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I've never done that here and I rarely did it before because I'm a little bit of a workaholic, but also I feel... Like, I need to be at work because if I don't do something, no one else is going to do it. There's this stress on me that I must show up, that it's my, you know, this is what I was hired for. It's my duty mm -hmm. to show up. But there are sometimes, uh, especially when I work for the hospital, I reach my point. I'm like, you know what? I just, I can't handle it today. I would say, oh, I have a migraine or, you know, I have food poisoning or something. You know, something that goes away quickly. <laughs> and normally, like, Especially now, like, I don't lie about anything. I'm completely honest, completely straightforward with people. But at that point, I'm like, you know what? I should feel guilty for this, and I just don't because I'm completely out of fucks. I mean, that's the other thing about the mental health day thing is people probably wouldn't abuse that system as much as I think that a lot of managers fear they would. It's not like I would be like, every, th every Friday I'm going to call in and be like, take it a mental health day, sorry. And you need to be able to give your employees um, vacation time too. Even, just personal days, not even vacation time. Like, okay, we understand that maybe you're not sick, but you need to take time off to bring your child to the doctor because your child is sick. Or you need to take time off to go see your dentist or, you know, just really any reason. It doesn't, you shouldn't have to give a reason. Yeah, and that's the other thing that's frustrating. A lot of jobs, you're working nine to five. And that's also when the bank is open, 
or when the garage is open that you can take your car in. But then whenever you're like, I can't get to work, my car's not running, your boss is all mad, and you're like, when was I supposed to take it in? The garage is open from 9 to 5, and I'm already at work at that point. You need to allow some leeway. It basically just makes you a better place to work. That, um, for me, we're given a certain number of personal days every year, in addition to vacation time that librarians receive. Just recently, I had all these hours that I needed to use before I lost them because I wasn't using my personal time because I didn't need it. But there are plenty of people that need to take their sick days and pretend they're sick just because they didn't get approved for their vacation or they, their cars in the shop or you know, anything or taking time off to go to a funeral. You should not have to get approved for that or get any kind of guilt for it. I had a boss who once requested required you to bring in a scan of a death certificate if you were at a funeral. You can't provide everyone at a funeral with a copy of the death certificate. Do you know how expensive those are? It was insane. But that just goes to show how many people who are in top tiers of jobs are like living outside of reality in terms of how their employees can function. Yeah. And it's so strange because people that are higher up they have the luxury of just saying, oh, I'm going to come in at noon today. Right. And it's not an issue. Yeah. I think, And I think that's why there's so much hostility and frustration from millennials whenever you see stuff like the Time Magazine cover that kind of suggests we're like lazy and entitled because it's like I'm working three jobs. I work about 65 hours a week and then I come home and I try and keep my house clean and I try to hang out with my roommate and take care of my cat. I try to call my mom at least once a week, and then you still want to call me lazy, but I haven't even gotten to take a vacation day in three months, you know? It doesn't help whenever you're in, like, a workplace where they strongly encourage working through lunch. Oh, yeah, They can't make you do it, but they can give you a lot of dirty looks and guilt trips if you don't. That basically you'll lose your job if you try to take that break. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's, like, how the situation with Family Video was. It was like... Oh, well, if it slows down, you can send one person over to the Little Caesars that's attached Mm -hmm. and have them take everybody's orders, but then they're going to sit on the back counter and go cold because you can't eat in front of customers. Right. And you can't afford to have that every time. You should be able to bring your own lunch. I'm like, I just need to sit down, put my lunch in the microwave for five minutes, and be able to eat it. I'm not asking very much. And I know this is like we're talking about terrible jobs, but it's it's just you see how terrible your previous jobs were when you're finally in a good job. Because <laughs> there are a lot of my jobs in the past that when I was working them, I would have been like, yeah, this sucks, but it's better than it could be. Mm-hmm. And then I get a better job and I'm like, wow, why did I put up with that for so long? It's also that when you've worked these terrible, terrible jobs, your bar for success is so much lower Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, well, I really hate this job, but at least my boss isn't calling me on my day off. Or, you know, at least I get 30 minutes for lunch. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's so sad that we think of these bad jobs as good jobs just because we've worked so much worse. Yeah, I think I had this job once, and I only had it for one month because I couldn't handle it. When I took that job, I was like, this is awesome because it paid $3 an hour more than the job I had had previously. 
but $3 an hour was not worth working until 3 in the morning. But at the time, I thought it was. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> and I think that's, that's something else to bring up, is that sometimes jobs look or sound amazing. Like, they promise you these fantastic things that mm -hmm. don't pan out. Like, with the lunch hour thing, when I worked at the hospital, technically we had an hour because we would um, we would close, we wouldn't schedule anybody with, for the lunch hour, and we would close the door and lock it. But first off, not everyone is out of there exactly at noon. We still had plenty of patients. Mm -hmm. Even once the patients are out, I'm still having to scan in documents and make sure things are scheduled and basically just catch up just from the morning. And then uh, we would go and have lunch. We'd all have to have lunch together, which I didn't particularly like just because I didn't like my coworkers so much. <laughs> um, but then it was this thing about how, okay, we open the door again at one, but you need to be up there and have everything ready and open the door like 10, 15 minutes early for those people wait in the hallway. And Jez, you need to be the one to cut your lunch hour short while the rest of us sit back here and eat. And it's just like, okay, you need to be the first person up there but like you got back here later than everyone else because we made you do other things. So even though you technically have an hour for lunch, you're lucky if you get half an hour. At my current job, we technically close for one, lunch at one. But if someone comes in the door at one, we're there until they are done with their visit. And it's the same thing at the end of the day. We technically close at six. But if a patient wants to walk in the door at six o'clock, get adjusted, and then stand there and chit-chat at us for the next hour, we won't close until 7. Yeah, and I think especially anyone that's ever worked in customer service understands mm -hmm. this, that even if you tell someone when they walk in, oh, the store's closing in five minutes, they're like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I know what I'm doing. It's going to take me just a second. It, yeah, it'll take just a second. And then you're sitting there waiting like half an hour after close, and you can't go anywhere, and you're not allowed to tell that person, oh, we're closed right now. But also, when you're getting ready to close a store, there's so much else you need to do. It's not just second customers are gone that you get to close. And that was a thing, especially when I worked at the bookstore, that it was, oh, if people are still walking in at 9, you need to stay late no matter how late they're there. And you need to vacuum the whole store, but you're not allowed to turn on the vacuum while the customer's there. So if the customer doesn't leave till 9.30, I'm there till 10 o'clock. And then you have to go take a deposit. Yes. And so you've got thousands of dollars in mm -hmm. one of the seediest parts of town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had that issue when I worked at Jenny Craig. It was, okay, we're done for the day, so you take this envelope and drive over to the bank, even though it's already late. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to you know, have someone go with you. You are. Legally, you are. Yeah, that was not the case for us. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'd get sent by myself all the time. And you don't get paid for that time either. Nope. Nobody have to clock out if you're going to the bank. <laughs> Which is the other thing is that sometimes, no matter how late you're working after close, you only get paid until closing hours. Until close. Or if you show up early, you only get paid starting when the doors open. You can only clock in a certain amount of time right before you start, and you can only stay so many minutes late, even if you're working with somebody. Well, my favorite thing is whenever you have a boss who's like, you're not going to get paid for showing up early. But they're like, you need to be here at least 15 minutes early so stuff is ready to go when we open. It's like you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful that the job I have now, it's not this thing where you have to physically clock in. 
where it tracks your tracks you down to the minute. They used to drive me crazy as if I'm like one minute late for work, then suddenly I don't get paid for those first 15 minutes or the ones that are prorated are even worse. Like you're yeah. literally getting paid by the minute. And if you're one minute late, you're losing money. Well, and the other thing about a time clock is like punching a clock is another great way to make someone feel even more like they're just another cog in an endless capitalist machine. Oh, yeah. Or when you have to like log in with an employee number instead of your name. That's the worst. Especially if it's like a really high number and you're like, no one even knows I'm here. I remember I worked at, um, I was the overnight receptionist at a nursing home with an Alzheimer's wing and they had to have a night receptionist because after, after hours, um, the older people would sundown and they'd try to escape. The time clock in that office was at the very, very back of the building hmm. and there was not a door to come in through the back. And so I'd come in through the front and like have to go to the back and clock in and it was one of those, um prorated ones where it was by the minute and so here you have this 22 year old girl sprinting <laughs> down the hallway of a nursing home and it's just like you're putting this unnecessary stress on me the first moment I walk in the door and like it's just going to stay that way for the rest of the shift it used to be that when I worked at Jenny Craig uh, my friend and I we would both work on Saturdays we had to work at 6 30 in the morning by the way Oh, God. Every person that has ever gone to a Jenny Craig at 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday, something is seriously wrong with you, and I kind <laughs> of hate you. We would be, like, calling each other, like, I'm two minutes away, or, I'm like, I'm literally at the light just waiting for it to change. Can you clock me in? Mm-hmm. Because we knew each other's employee numbers, and we would do the same thing, like, when we were taking breaks. Like, okay, we need to take our lunch break by this time. I'm still with a customer. So can you clock me out and then clock me back in within half an hour and then I'll take that half an hour lunch later? Like you still work at the exact same amount of time. But you had to finagle it with the computer. Yeah, you have to work things out with people and kind of like find ways to cheat the system. Whereas yeah. you would just, you just treat your employees like people, they're not going to go out of their way to cheat the system. Yeah, honestly, I maybe that makes me a little bit idealistic, but I think people are probably a little bit more honest than our bosses give us credit for. Oh, I think people are much more honest than we give them credit for. And if you treat them with the expectation to be honest. If, yeah, and if you treat somebody well, they're going to want to treat you well too. Yes. They're not going to screw you over if you're doing right by them. But if you're constantly making their lives hell, then they're going to find ways to cut corners. <laughs> so that one month, is that the shortest job you've ever had? Um, no. The shortest job I ever had was two and a half weeks. I worked at a veterinary clinic as a receptionist. I mean, first off, I have pretty significant pet dander allergies, which I can maintain with allergy medicines and stuff. Like I even have a cat now. And just having that all up in my face and not to mention the claws and the teeth and the, it was just, it's like, I can't do this. I was like, I went to my boss after two and a half weeks. Like, it was in the middle of, not only in the middle of the week, it was in the middle of a day. So it was like halfway through my shift. I think it was taking my lunch. And I was just like, listen, I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) You told me I was going to be a receptionist, not an animal tamer. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) I didn't even give two weeks, which is terrible. Sometimes you just got to get the heck out of Dodge. I'm going to come back to the allergy thing in a second. (laughs) The shortest job I ever had was about the same length of time. It was when I 
very first moved to St. Louis, um, I was going to transfer within Jenny Craig. Oh, yeah. And the office did not have a customer service coordinator position available, but they had a um, counselor position available. And, like, there's no one that went to that location. It was just not, you never had anyone coming in. So I got somewhat trained, and it was expected, okay, we'll put you on the schedule real soon. And I'm looking at I'm like, there is no possible way I can make money with this. Like, and also, I really don't want to work for this company anymore. I don't think I really gave notice. I think I was just like, hey, I'm not going to do this. I didn't really need to give notice because I, did, I wasn't on the schedule so much yet. Right. I mean, it had already been two weeks or so. But it's like, okay, I don't have any clients. I don't have anyone I really need to quit. I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to do this. And I went and I worked for a temp company instead. That makes me think I'm going to ask, have you ever had a job where it was like a literal kind of take this job and shove it like triumphant Rocky fist punch as you walk out the door quit? Um, no, I, I wish I had one of those moments. And I feel like those moments are exceedingly rare because even when you leave a job, you're like, well, I don't really want to burn this bridge. Right. You're like, I need that reference. Like I need them to be able to help me out when I go to my next job interview. Right. Uh, but yeah. the allergy thing. This is, this is another terrible job I had, but, you know, in hindsight, it wasn't so bad. Uh, I worked at a, like, greenhouse nursery, so I have terrible allergies. I'm allergic to basically everything, but it was a summer job that paid what I thought was well. It was really just barely above minimum wage, <laughs> and there was one point where, because I'm so short, they made me stand up on the platform where they would put all the plants so that I could hang up these hanging baskets. So I'm standing in between these plants and like my mint allergies are super high. Mm -hmm. And just from standing there and my leg brushing up against a leaf, my entire leg swole up. And like you could literally see the outline of the shape of the leaf that touched me. Oh my God. And like my whole leg is like twice the size of what it should be. And my manager is just like, you're going to be able to finish your shift, right? Oh. I guess so. I'm like, I have Benadryl. I could, like, I'm not dying, but obviously something is wrong here, and you're not even going to give me the rest of the day off. And they're just like, oh, but you're going to finish your, you're just going to keep working, right? Like, not for seven and a half dollars, I'm not. Bye. But I definitely did stay the rest of the day. <laughs> I had an anaphylactic reaction mm -hmm. at my job once, and my boss was like, are you going to stay? Like, while I was still choking, like, that was the only time I've ever really been just blatantly disrespectful to an authority figure at work, because I just walked out. I just walked out, and I called my mom and was like, please come pick me up. And again, goes back to just treat your employees like human beings. Like, they're Recognize people. that sometimes things are going to go wrong. They might have to leave early. Like, you can't just be worried about the task that's going to be done. You have to worry about sometimes their actual life. Yeah. Which is the other story I want to tell. Oh, boy. So this is, not, this is not a super terrible job I had. So I worked in a comic book store, uh, and so my boss needed to take the deposit. He needed to make some deliveries. He needed to get lunch and everything. So he left, and I was the only one in the store. And the store got held up at gunpoint. So someone came in, basically put a gun in my face, put a bag on the counter, and said, fill us up. And, you know, they went around the stacks and got the customers to get down on the floor and everything. 
which they didn't actually take any money from the customers, which I find weird in hindsight. They were probably nervous. Oh, yeah, they were definitely nervous. Um, and meanwhile, I'm hitting the silent alarm under the desk. But, like, this is a job that I literally, my life was at risk, and I'm getting paid $6.25 an hour. <laughs> God. Nothing is worth that. No, it's... Although, if, it, if anybody was going to get held up at gunpoint, like... You're the most level-headed person I know, so... I am a good man in a storm. They were nervous, and I think I made them even more nervous because I was not scared at all. Jesus. Like, I'm I'm just not someone that's really afraid of things. And if, you, if there's a stressful situation, I'm one of those people that just goes, like, super, super calm. And it really freaks everyone the fuck out. It's great because I am 100% in control... While everyone around me is getting more and more nervous because they expect me to be getting nervous. Like, I'm still complying. I know not to fight back. And I'm giving him the money, but he's getting nervous and he's not paying as much attention as he should have been. Um, so he ended up, you know, leaving. He got caught later because I had hit the alarm and everything. Because I had the sense of mind that, okay, I need to take, I need to give him this money, but I need to hit the alarm and I need to make sure my customers are safe. I don't know. I'm somewhat happy for that moment because I tell that story in interviews. They'll ask me like, oh, when did you ever have to work in a stressful situation? And they're expecting like, oh, I had five customers at once. I'm like, no, I was held at gunpoint. They're Someone like, pointed a gun oh, shit. <laughs> and you just have their complete attention. That's amazing. For those like three minutes it takes me to tell the story. And then they remember exactly who I am later. Oh, I don't doubt it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like, I mean, far be it for me to ever want to get held up, but it's like a <laughs> magic, like, assist. It's like. I had a friend tell me that one point when she was getting ready for an interview and I asked her the question, like, oh, it's a stressful situation. She goes, you know what? I really hate you sometimes. <laughs> She's like, I'm so jealous you were held at gunpoint and can tell that story. <laughs> Not something you want to be jealous of. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think I would much rather have the five customers. But it just goes to show that you can turn bad situations into something good later on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. What is a what is a job that you think was worse because of your customers or your clients than because of inter office stuff? Um trying to think. Like most of my jobs have been evenly. Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably the job I have now. Like I love my job. But there are some days that I'm just completely burnt out at the end of the day because the patrons have treated mm -hmm. me so poorly when my mm -hmm. actual work environment is fantastic. It's just that I work with the public. Yeah. My second job, which I work for a murder mystery dinner theater, and it's an interactive dinner theater, which means that we put at each table, we put a binder with clues and we make one person at the table a murder suspect. Usually the role that I end up playing is some sort of like femme fatale. And for some reason, I can't imagine why, and by that I mean I totally know why, men seem to be under the impression that because I'm wearing a, you know, revealing dress or being particularly flirty or have a clue that I was having an affair with someone, that that means that they can do whatever they want. And so even though I love getting paid to act, and I even enjoy the interactive aspect to a point. Sometimes it's just like unbelievable the things that customers will do. 
Oh yeah. And like anybody listening out there, if someone is at their job and they need to like pretend to be something, they're an actress, or even if they just need to keep up a smile because they're a cashier, that does not give you the right to treat them terribly. It doesn't give you the right to hit on them or touch them or talk down to them. They are just trying to do their job. If they were not working right now, they would have slapped you or they would have cussed you out. They're just trying to keep their job. What is it about, not just not just in acting, but any customer service position that makes people seem to think that they have the entitlement to treat you like not a person? It comes down to this thing of like, oh, they have to do something for me because it's their job. That right. you're no longer a human. You're just someone there to facilitate your needs. Which, I mean, I'm sure that I have been in the wrong on the, on the other end of that myself. But I never can think of a time where I have been so blatantly disrespectful of a person as some of the things that I have experienced or seen. Everything, all the problems within workplaces would be solved if everybody just respected each other. Yeah. Why is that so hard to ask for? I don't know. Well, this has been a very cheery episode. <laughs> but I love my current jobs. Yeah, so I do too. The, the moral of the story is you'll have 17 terrible jobs and then you'll have like two or three really awesome ones. So. Yeah, and once you have those awesome ones, you'll know not to settle for anything else. <laughs> exactly. And you'll have enough experience under your belt that you won't have to. See, it's not that depressing. No, it's, it has a happy ending. <laughs> You're going to deal with really terrible jobs, but eventually you'll find where you're going. At the end of every episode, we're going over our adulting wins for the week. <laughs> I love it. So, Casey, what is your adulting win? My adulting win for the week is actually something I did just this afternoon. After I got off work, I went to the store and got all the ingredients and made myself a really healthy pasta salad. And I made enough of it to last me for all of my lunches for the rest of next week. Excellent. I saw a picture of it. It looks very good. <laughs> on mine, it, it's hard for me to pick one because I recorded the last episode on Monday. <laughs> um, I guess my adulting win is that I worked on Tuesday night and we had some really bad storms and tornadoes move through. We had to go into the basement of the library twice because of tornado sirens. It's that whole I'm a good man in a storm situation again. Yeah. That if I remain calm, it makes everyone else calm. So I'm there, I'm giving directions, I'm getting people where they need to go as fast as they can, keeping everybody safe, and we had to do it twice. I wasn't in charge, mm -hmm. but I was still able to really help out the person that was in charge, who was pretty nervous, and it just get everyone safe. And later, patrons came to me, and they're like, you know, we really appreciate how much you had control of this situation. Like, all the staff was really great. You, you made us feel safer. So it's a good feeling. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on the show like this. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll have you back later. <laughs> awesome. That Adult Feel is brought to you in part by listeners like you. Help support the podcast by visiting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash thatadultfeel, where you can pick different levels of support. You can get anything from a shout-out on the podcast to longer editions of the episodes which feature extra stories, like what it's like to work at a murder mystery dinner theater, when the creep from the bar you turned down the night before shows up, or what happens when a celebrity phones into your call center. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever you're listening right now. The podcast can be found at thatadultfeel.tumblr.com, on iTunes, and on pretty much every other podcast host out there. A full list of places to listen is available at thatadultfeel.tumblr.com slash listen. If you have a moment, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes to help others find it. This podcast is hosted by me, Jazz Lehman. You can find me at howtogrowthefuckup.com, where I answer questions about job hunting, apartment living, and generally just try to help you become an adult. You can also find me on Twitter at HTGTFU. If you want to follow our guest this week, Casey, you can find her on Tumblr at purewanderlust.tumblr.com and on YouTube as Case Menace. Our theme song is Ray of Sunshine by Addict Sound, and the lovely melody you are currently listening to is Beautiful Morning by Esther Garcia. Thank you again to Casey for joining me this week, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in once again to That Adult Feel. I hope you'll come back in two weeks when I talk to Becky, Cassidy, and Mary about the internet as it once was and what it's like being the first generation to essentially grow up online. Thanks again, and have a great week. (laughs) If you have Morgan Freeman on the line, you have to put it on speakerphone. You cannot keep that to yourself.